thank you, Lord, that we can speak to those things that hinder us and that bother us. And no matter what's going on, we speak your name, fear and depression, and all those things that are half to bound, all those things that try to take our attention away from you, that try to take our attention from your love and for your peace and your joy. Father, I thank you this morning that we have your word to speak. Father, I thank you for your blessing. I thank you for your anointing and for your power. Father, we just sit, stand here a moment in your presence thanking you. Hallelujah. Father, I just lift up all those this morning that are sick and that are out. And Father, they're doing so many things that I lift them up to you, Father. And I pray you touch their bodies and touch their hearts and continue to heal the bodies of those, Lord, that we know that need your special touch right now, Father. Thank you for your healing power, Father. In the precious holy name of Jesus. We thank you for your word this morning, Lord, that will come from your servant. We thank you, Lord, that it touches our hearts. Prepare our hearts, Father, to receive your word this morning. And we thank you and praise you. We give you all the praise in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Hallelujah. You may be seated. I want to thank you for being here this morning. And all those who are watching um, online, just thank you for being here. Um, it's, a, it's a special weekend. We had a great time Friday night and uh, having Philip and Lynn Miles with us. Uh, he's the chairman of EFI and came and helped us with our, our um, laying on of hands of those in the, for the ministry for, on Friday night and just continue our time of fellowship. It's been a good time of fellowship for us. And, and this morning, as we will hear from him and hear from the word that God has given him, just want to thank you for coming. Thank you for being here. You know, it's, it's a privilege to know how, how, how God works in, in different ways and different things. And, you know, it's, it's amazing how much... Um, God does through each of us. And we all have our different talents and our different things that we do. And his word is, is true in, in and through every one of us. And thank you, Lord, for um, allowing us to, to be in season and, and out of season. And uh, thank you, Lord Jesus, for allowing us to be able to come and to worship you. And so I'm going to ask... Um, Pastor Philip to come up and share a word with us this morning, and, and uh, I just thank him for coming, and, and we've enjoyed fellowship and everything else, so amen. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. I tell you, it's been, uh, it's been a lot of fun getting to have some time with Bill and Peggy. They're really two of the best, in my opinion. Uh, a lot of pastors uh, sometimes... Uh, you love them, but you don't necessarily want to spend a lot of time with them. And uh, Bill and Peggy are not like that. They're actually fun to be with, and they made us feel very special, and I appreciate that. Uh, it's good to have Lynn with me. She doesn't always get to come, and so this is really nice. And she's had a real good time, too, so it was kind of a 
a rare moment for us to be able just to, to uh, be together and walk around through the nice little shops and things like that. Uh, you know, on Saturday morning, it was very pleasant. And so we appreciate that. You know, I want to say how much uh, I appreciate y'all being a part of Evangel Fellowship International. And um, we're continuing to reach out. And, and I'm telling you something, uh, you know, back, this has been a rough couple of years. Um, you know, when this pandemic hit, I went through a, like a depression, and I, I actually tried to resign from EFI because I felt like that I wasn't doing anything. And, you know, our heartbeat is missions, and when you, when you no longer can travel, it was like, you know what, I'm, I'm like the biggest failure that's ever been around. I'm glad, I'm glad my dad's not around to see this, you know. Uh, this would be so embarrassing. But, uh, you know, fortunately, all my efforts to, to resign didn't go anywhere. And, uh, and then finally God spoke to me and said, look, this is not a time to jump ship. And I realized, yeah, okay, that, that's true. And so now that the doors are opening back up, it's been great. Uh, I know uh, Bill just had a, you know, had a trip down to Nicaragua. And I do believe that when you sow in these areas, that it is, creates a tremendous amount of blessing for the church. It's different, you know, it, it's good that we sow locally. That's important. But a lot of times when you sow locally, you get a little feedback, a little appreciation, you know, pats on the back. But you sow globally, you have no idea until you get to heaven, really, what, what you've done and how God's used you. And I believe that kind of sowing, it's kind of like you're not, you're, don't let your right hand know what your left hand's doing. There's that kind of sowing that I believe is, creates a special blessing. And so it's been hard. This, this pandemic has been hard on all of us. It's been hard on pastors and churches. We're, we're still not back to where we were like attendance-wise, you know, pre-pandemic pandemic levels. And uh, people are hurt and people are struggling. There's people that are still, they're, they're fearful. And uh, I think if you characterize a lot of people in our, in our society and just the ones we are meeting, because we're still not out of this, you know. I mean, uh, you know, Lynn and I had a second round of COVID here not uh, just a a month or two ago, and so uh, it's, it's really hit some people a lot harder than others, and so there's a lot of fear and apprehension, I think, that uh, people are contending with right now, just broad scale, and then there's something else that's happening in our nation that doesn't have anything to do with the pandemic. I really don't know what to trace it to except just the, the darkness that's starting to cover our land, but have you noticed, have you ever seen our nation as polarized as it is right now. I mean, in my entire life, I've never seen people in just separate radical camps. And, and it's interesting because um, it's like, um, it's, not, it's not just that people don't agree with what you're saying now. We've, we've taken it up a notch. Now it's that uh, we hate you for what you're saying. It's not just we don't agree, you know, it's that we now hate you 
and we, we, you know, they don't so much to say, but in a lot of ways, you know, we wish you were dead, you know, just go away. And it's a very scary thing. And so hate, so you, I think the three things we're contending with is fear, apprehension, and hatred. And we're, we're just not used to this. And you think about how long the church, we've had to put up with all these liberal philosophers and professors that come out with this stuff and, and just the most radical ideas, and we just sort of have to go our merry way. But now it's like different. Now that, you know, if, if we start to speak up, there is that total intolerance. In fact, if you, if you, if you happen to disagree with somebody that's considered politically correct, you're, you're now considered a hate monger. I mean, just, just if you don't agree, you know, it's, it's automatically you're, you're being classified, you know, in, in a totally different way. And it's just, uh, it's, it's an interesting time for our life. And that's why today my message is going to be about being a peacemaker. Lord knows we all need to be peacemakers right now uh, because no one seems to be in our culture interested in peace, they're interested in being right. That's all they care about. They want to be, they want, they consider themselves being right. And to them, that's the ultimate. But let me just say something. Nobody's right all the time. And I'll say something else too. You never really have enough information to make a judgment about somebody else. You know, we can, we can look and see things and, and so easy to, to make a quick judgment uh, about somebody's life just because of, of, of what we see you know, happening. You know, we can see somebody, uh, you know, driving, you know, crazy and you make a judgment, you know, mainly in a word, they're an idiot, that kind of a thing, you know. And, uh, and it's, it's really kind of hard not to. We kind of fall into that trap. But the Lord wants us to kind of rise above that. He says in, in, in Matthew 5, 9, he says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Now, if you read Matthew 5, there's like 11 verses that are blessed are kind of verses. And they all uh, talk about, you know, the humble, the meek, and, uh, you know, different ones. Uh, throughout those 11 verses. And um, this is the only one, though, that says if you're a peacemaker, you're going to be called the children of God. In other words, you're, you're gonna, that's the most like God of any of these things when we strive to be a peacemaker. In First uh, Peter chapter 3 and verse 9, he says, Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate. With insults, when people insult you, instead pay them back with a blessing. That is what God has called you to do, and He will grant you His blessing. Now, I'm working on another sermon right now, and so I'm not going to preach to to you. I'm going to, but I am working on a message called the counterintuitive path to blessing, because you're going to find out in the Word of God that the way that God wants to bless us is always counterintuitive to our human nature. And this verse I've read is just, it's just one example, you know, where he says, don't repay evil for evil. Well, you know, it's just, that's just not natural. When somebody hits you, you just want to hit them back, you know. I mean, it's, if somebody calls you a name, you want to call them a worse name. And that's just the way, that's our hard wiring in the flesh. 
But if we follow the Lord, we, we have to, to rise up and do what's counterintuitive, which is what God wants us to do, which is the spiritual thing. We have to respond totally different. And so I think it's very interesting. He says, you know, this is the, you look at the what you don't and what you do. You don't repay. You don't retaliate, but you do give a blessing. Uh, that's good to kind of know right now. And then uh, in verses, on down, verses 10 and 11 says, if you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn away from evil and do good. And then this is the portion I want us to hear. Seek for peace and work to maintain it. Seek for peace and work to maintain it. In other words, when people are insulting you and saying terrible things, he says what we're to do is we're to seek for peace. We're to look for peace, and we're to, we're to do all that we can to maintain that. That's, that's our counterintuitive response is to start to search for peace. And so, you know, in, in response to the hate mongers, we are to search for peace. Why does he say search for peace? Obviously, because it's not easy to find. It's not easy to find, it's, it, and it's harder to maintain. I mean, any of you have brothers and sisters? I mean, you know, sometimes it's just hard. And, and, and those of us that are married, you know, I mean, thank goodness it doesn't happen so much now, but back in the early days, you know, we'd be clipping along, and then I'd say something stupid, and I would just say we would lose the peace in the home. And when you lost the peace in the home, it was a miserable time. And let me just say something. You couldn't just snap your finger and get it back either. I mean, you, you had to work at it and you had to do what you need to do, which usually involved really humbling yourself. But, then, but, it, but you had, you know, you don't think about peace until you lose it. Boy, when you lose it, it's like, oh, Lord, you know. Why did I say that? And so God wants us to be committed to this. And, and I, want to, uh, I want to share with you in just a minute how we do this. If you noticed, our societal fuse is getting shorter as well. You know, it used to be back in the day when somebody would say, cut you off in traffic. I mean, the worst thing you'd do is blow your horn. And maybe if you weren't a churchgoer, you'd give them the finger, you know, the California howdy. And then, but you know what people do now? They, they reach for their nine millimeter. It's ridiculous. I mean, our, the fuse in our society is getting so short. It's getting such a dangerous place. And I think that's why what we're talking about is so important that we are committing ourselves to being peacemakers here and now. God has called us to live and respond much differently than the world. In, in James chapter 3, I love this. He says, And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. Those, if you're a peacemaker, this is what you're going to plant. Everywhere you go, every day, you're going to plant seeds of peace. And when you do that, it's going to create an environment where God is lifted up. There's a harvest of righteousness where God is magnified. 
But first, we have to be willing to rise above what's natural. We have to be willing to do the counterintuitive thing. And we have to sow a seed of peace. And it's going to seem awkward a lot of times. It's going to seem almost inappropriate. But God is calling us to sow seeds of peace. So how in the world do we do this thing? And, you know, and I, I could thought about this, and I could talk about a lot of more graduate-level ideas, like, you know, we can become mentors to troubled people. We can begin to volunteer more. And, uh, but I'm, but I, what I want to do, though, is that that's, that's stuff that can happen later. I want to give you something that you can do today. I'll give you three things that you can start today. And there are three things that are not complicated. In fact, they're very, very simple. In fact, you may think they're too simple, but I'm going to give them to you anyway. But these are some things that God has done in my life, how he's helped me, and, and how, it's made, you know, how it's made a difference. And so the first thing, I think, if you're going to sow seeds of peace... You need to look for the good in every person you meet. You need to look for the good in every person you meet. You say, but they're an idiot. But maybe they act bad sometimes. But you know, if you look hard enough, there will be something good there. Especially if you pray. If you pray for that person, God will show you something good. And so the first thing is, and this is very important because it really shifts an attitude because some of us have gotten hardened in this season. Some of us have been hurt, and we're tired of being hurt, and so we're not interested in looking for good. We're just interested in avoiding people and, you know, trying to get by with less pain. But as a believer, we can't really afford to do that. And so really, when you choose to look for good, you really have to change your attitude and you change your perspective. Why is this important? Because you usually find what you're looking for. If you're looking for trouble, you're looking for the bad, it's just like um, I had a member of my church who got mad at me one time. And, and I don't know how it is here, but back in, in my neck of the woods in the low country, down in Orrey County, People can hold a grudge for a long time. Oh, my gosh. They can flat hold a grudge. And this woman stayed mad at me for a year. But she sat out there. She smiled. But she is mad. And so finally, after a year, she got convicted, finally. And she came to me and apologized. But basically what she said was that for a year, she picked every sermon I gave apart. All the everything she didn't like, or things where if I, you know, if I made a, a grammatical error or any any little thing like that, and you know what, you will find what you're looking for. If you're looking for weaknesses, they're all around. If you're looking for strength, they're all around too. And so we find what we're looking for. You know when Jesus you know, met people, especially irreligious people. He always tried to focus on the good, and he tried to focus on the potential. You remember the woman at the well, Samaritan? Jesus met her, 
And, you know, as soon as he met her, he, he wasn't naive. He, he immediately knew her sordid past. He, he knew the kind of life she lived. And yet he engaged with her because he, he saw something of value in her. And so as he began to talk to her, eventually, you know, he ended up revealing himself, which is like if he didn't do that to any of the Jews. It was only to this Samaritan woman where he actually just said, look, lady, I am the son of God. You know? I mean, he didn't do that with anybody else. But he saw value and he was willing to do whatever it takes. And that's the part that we get, we get hung up on. There's value in every person. In John chapter 4 and verse 10, it says, he said, Jesus answered her, he said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. And I'm not going to read the whole story because I think most of you know it. But let me just say this. If you don't value someone, please don't mention Jesus to them. If you don't value someone, don't try to witness to them. Because value is what opens the door. And when you, when you don't value someone and you, you, know, you try, to, try to witness to them, it really is a misrepresentation of the heart of Jesus. And I think that's really, really unfortunate. And so please don't do that. And so we can't be a peacemaker. You can't be a peacemaker until you value someone. And so for some of us, that's going to be like the first step, especially some people that we know. Maybe it's a next-door neighbor or somebody at work that just gets on, as we say in the low country, gets on our last nerve, you know, and they just, they just bother you. And, uh, and, and so the first step you're going to have is really praying, God, show me let me help me see this person as you see. Why are they? Why do they act this way? What's going on in their life? And so you value. The second thing is to sow seeds of peace. You need to know someone's name. He's like, well, I already know people's name. Well, that's good, but there's a lot of people you don't know yet. And so, not only do you know, need to know their name, you need to call them by name. And so Jesus was aware of this power of being able to call someone by name. You know, someone said there's no sweeter sound than the sound of hearing your own name. I don't know if that's true or not, but it might be. In Luke chapter 19, this was a very powerful thing. I don't know why. This always gets to me every time I read it. It says, Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich. You know how he became rich, right? Being a crook, okay? And he tried, to get, he, he tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd, so he ran ahead, climbed a sycamore tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus, and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. So being a peacemaker means that wherever you live, wherever you shop, you know, wherever, wherever you buy groceries, it's very important that you Learn people's name. 
That's a way to value somebody, by the way. It keeps them from having a, it keeps them from just being, having a label. It actually helps them become an, uh, actually a real human being, person. Until you give them a name, they're just a cashier. But once they have a name, though, that's, that's, that's Mary. And so when they, when you value, they become a person, then you can open the, the door to the, to the gospel. You can share love and life. It's very interesting. And so uh, we must be peacemakers. We can't prejudge people. So back to Zacchaeus. Jesus walks by the tree, looks up, calls him by name, invites himself to dinner. And it's interesting that Jesus didn't, like, you know, preach to him. He didn't say, hey, you tax collector. Come on down. I need to talk to you. Didn't do any of that. Didn't remind him of how crooked he's been, how he's nothing but a thief, a traitor to his own people. Didn't do any of that. He just said, Zacchaeus, let's go have a meal. It's very interesting. In verse 8, it says, Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, Remember, no finger pointing. I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if I've cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Um, when you value people, especially people that aren't used to being valued, which I'm going to just say something, very few people are valued. That little cashier person that works the grocery section of the grocery store. A lot of these people around here that we have to, wherever you buy gas, things. I would say a majority of these people don't get a lot of affirmation. They don't get a lot of value. For a lot of these people, their life is very hard. Their life is very challenging. And to be able to go and just lift them up a little bit, give them some value, has a profound impact upon them. I mean, to me, this is amazing. And if you, if you read the story, Jesus had to kind of cut him off, you know, because he's going, he's going to give away everything. And Jesus says, I tell you what, salvation has come to this house. I mean, you know, it's like, are y'all paying attention here? You know, when a person is valued, it helps them see clearly. It opens their heart. And so when we're a peacemaker, you look for good. The next step is valuing people. To be a peacemaker, you keep planting. What is that doing? You're planting the seeds of peace. Always planting the seeds of peace. Everywhere you go, all day long, every person. Listen, think about the, just if everybody like right here, determines that in every person you meet, you're going to plant a seed of peace. You get some form of affirmation. We were in a coffee shop yesterday, and, and a couple <clears throat> was in there, and, and Lynn just, you know, looked, says, oh, your dress is so beautiful. And oh, my gosh, the woman beamed up like, I didn't know what in the world, like she won the lottery or something, you know, and it's like, wow. 
And I didn't, I couldn't tell what Lynn had said, but it was like, you plant a seed of peace, you lift people up, opens up their heart. It's one thing I've tried to do. You just try to find something praiseworthy with every person. I mean, I've just made this a habit when I'm in a store. I find somebody working. I just, I, I just, I mean, it's just gotten a habit now. I just go up to them. I say, good, man, you are doing a fantastic job. I mean, look, look, look how orderly your department is. That's really amazing. And a lot of times people just don't even know what to say, you know. They smile, they'll say thank you. Because I promise you, it's probably the only compliment they're going to get for the whole day. Maybe the only one they've had all week. But when you plant seeds of peace like that, it creates a, a spirit of receptivity. That hopefully the next person that comes along will be able to share about the life and love of God. But we have to be peacemakers. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. But sometimes planting seeds involves going the second mile. Now, I'm going to get to more of the graduate level stuff here, okay? That was the, you know, middle school, you know, easier stuff. It can be, not say easy. It's hard to do, but still. What I'm going to share right now, though, is something that you have to really uh, be serious with the Lord and be committed to this. Some people are more difficult to be at peace with than others. Did I mention our relatives? Oh, but anyway, um, some people are just more difficult. It's just a harder thing. But these seeds of peace obviously has great supernatural power. And when you talk about reaping a harvest of righteousness, you talk about where God is glorified and great things happen. And so uh, this is kind of like another counterintuitive challenge, but this is something that will make a huge difference in our life. In Matthew chapter 5 and verse 41, Jesus said something that was not really popular in the Beatitudes when he was talking. He says, if a soldier, which was a Roman law, that if a, if a, if a soldier found a, 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 any Jewish man, he could tell him, I need you to carry my armor for one mile. They hated that law. They hated it because a lot of times they were, you know, on their way. You can imagine, you know. You got things to do, people waiting on you, and all that. And all of a sudden, here comes a soldier, hands you all this equipment, and you have to walk. And I'm telling you, I, can't, I don't know how they did it back then, but they knew right when the mile was there. You know, they knew how many steps. And I promise you, when they hit that last step, that stuff hit the ground. You know what I'm saying? I mean, and they were on their way. And so when Jesus said this, if a soldier demands you to carry his gear for a mile, carry it two miles. Now, let me just say what Jesus wasn't saying. He wasn't establishing a new law of two miles. That's, he was not doing that. If you think that, then you've missed the whole point. What he was saying is, though, the first, the first law is like an obligation. But the second law is an opportunity to sow seeds of peace. It's an opportunity for the Holy Spirit to step into the situation. When you step in there, then he said, hey, the first law, there's no reward in the first one. That's what, you're, you know, that's what you're supposed to do. 
You know, we, it, it, you know, in Luke 17, it says, when a servant comes in from plowing, taking care of the sheep, does what his master's say, come in, eat. Does his master say, come on in and eat with me? No, he says, prepare my meal, put on your apron, serve me while I eat, then you can eat later. And does the master thank the servant for doing what he was told to do? Of course not. Now, this was not a sermon on gratitude. This was a, a sermon on, you know, what our expectations are. And he says, when you, you know, when you do what is required, that's fine, but there's no real reward in that. The reward comes when we now listen to what the Holy Spirit has to say and respond to that. In Luke chapter 6 and verse 27, and I'm getting near the end now. But to you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies and do good. To those who hate you. Loving your enemies, that's the kind of the first mile. But then he says, then you have to sometimes take it a step further. Have you ever been in a situation where you've been hurt, wounded, there's been tension, and you've done everything you know to do, and it's not made a bit of difference? I think we've all been in situations like that. And sometimes, you know, it takes us having to pray and listen to what the Holy Spirit is telling us to do if we're to get over this. When my children were small, we, we had a golden retriever, and that was about the most worthless dog, and uh, it just wanted to be petted. That was all the dog lived for, you know, just a pile of hair that wanted to be petted. And he was kind of the neighborhood dog, you know. Uh, her name was Allie, and she had a way of making every neighbor feel like they, they were her favorite, you know, so they'd feed her. And so we had a neighbor across the street who was uh, a terrible person, you know, just cussing. He would, if the children got close to his property, he'd use all kind of horrible profanity telling them to get away. And he hollered and cussed his wife, and uh, he was just a terrible person. And I heard, a, I heard a rifle shot one day, and our dog had gone through his yard, and he had shot the dog, and the dog ran back across the street, and uh, my middle son was there, and, and Allie fell in his arms and died. I was probably as angry as I've, I don't know that I've ever been any more angry in my life. And, and I remember, I remember walking across the street towards his house, praying, God, please help me right now because I don't want to spend the rest of my life in prison. <laughs> and, uh, and so I, I just remember getting, I was, I, was, I was so angry, I was just shaking. I don't know if you've ever been like that. I hope not. But anyway... You know, I just like, man, what is your problem? You know, I wanted to take that rifle, and I just wanted to wrap it around his head. That's really what I wanted to do. And so um, I finally just, by the grace of God, just turned around and went back home. And so in the process, of course, my children were all upset. And um, my, my youngest son was only about four, and uh, he was the most disturbed. And and I remember talking to him and telling him, now, son, you're going to have to forgive him. And he looked at me. He had tears in his eyes. He said, I'll never forgive him. And I was like, 
Well, we probably need to stop this conversation right now, unless I'll come back later. And so, anyway, when I, uh, Lynn called me at work and said that something interesting happened, and there, this was a few days later, that um, the guy's name was Albert, and uh, Jonathan, he, she heard Jonathan on the porch going, Albert, Albert, and he was going to the mailbox. Albert, and finally I guess he stopped and looked, and, and Jonathan said, Albert, I forgive you for killing my dog. And I just felt, praise God, you know, we passed that. That was a big test, and he passed it. But what I didn't count on is that after all my good preaching to my children, I was still deeply resentful. And I found, have you ever found yourself that when you're not thinking about anything, you're thinking about something? And when I was not thinking about anything, I was thinking about how I could do him harm. I was thinking about how I could burn his house down. And, but, you know, he would, he would escape, but he would lose everything. You know, I just wanted him to feel a little bit of the pain that he inflicted upon my family. You know what I'm saying? And, and I just like, and I knew that I shouldn't be feeling this way, but it's like I wasn't, you know, it's almost like, you know, when I, didn't even know until you all of a sudden you realize, wait a minute, I'm just playing these scenarios in my head. This is not, you know, this isn't good, but didn't, I couldn't seem to help myself. And so finally, the Lord spoke to me one day and said, I want you to, I want you to give Albert a ham. I think it was around Thanksgiving or something like that. And I thought, okay, can I throw it through the window? You know? And, uh, so anyway, I went and got the ham. You know, when God speaks to you, what are you going to do? You know, you know it's kind of all over now. So I went and got the ham. I resigned myself. I got the ham, and I remember walking across over there, knocking on the door. And, uh, you know, my heart really wasn't in it, but, I, you know, I just knew that that's, God said it, and so you know how it is. And so I said, here, this, it's a ham, and it's for you. <laughs> You know, and he just stood there. I don't know what he was expecting, you know. And, uh, but I remember when I walked back across the street, it was like tons fell off of me. The weight, the weight, it just literally by the time I got back in my yard, I was free. Because sometimes, you know, I, you know, I'd gone through all the thing of, well, I forgive him, I forgive him. But, you know, I didn't really forgive him. But, you know, I was trying to. But it's like sometimes if you're going to have freedom, you have to be willing to go the second mile. There's a, the Holy Spirit, and this is why it's so important, I think, for people that live by the law, you never really find freedom. You can do everything the law says, but the law will never lead you to freedom. To have freedom, you have to be willing to listen to the Holy Spirit. And when you listen to the Holy Spirit, he'll lead you down a path that you would not have thought of, I promise you. You have never thought of it. And it may not make any sense. But when you, and it's, I think it's the journey of teaching us as his children to follow his voice. That's where the life is. I mean, I think even in ministry, as I look back over my 40, almost 40 years at Christ Community before I retired, everything significant that happened in our church that really bore lasting fruit was an encounter with the Lord. 
where he spoke very clearly to me. And from that, you know, that would take us into a two or three year endeavor and it would bear. And then finally, you know, later something would happen and, and God would speak and, and it would bear great fruit. So I have one final story and then I'm done. One of our elders' wives had gotten a, a job. She was a nurse. And um, she, um, where she worked, though, the environment was a very toxic environment because her supervisor, for whatever reason, had it in for her and just really despised her. She tried to be nice. She tried to be friendly. She would try to come in early. She would work late. But she just picked at her, and she would meet with the other nurses, and they would whisper together and, you know, point at her and, and laugh. And she was just like truly ostracized. And she came home literally crying from work every single day. She did not know what to do. She kept praying and praying and praying, and nothing seemed to be happening. And uh, she was like one miserable person. And so one day when she was praying, the Lord said, I want you to bake her a cake. And she said she remembers she'd never beat the batter as hard that day as she beat that cake, beat the tar out of that batter, you know, and slammed that thing in the oven. But she fixed it all up and went to her house and knocked on the door. And when she came to the door, she looked at her. She said, Dawn, you've conquered me. You've conquered me. Come in. Everything changed. And so there are situations that you and I have where you're just not going to get out of it doing things as usual. What you're needing is you're going to need a, a leading, a prompting, direction from the Holy Spirit because what worked for one person is not going to work for another. Your neighbor may not like him. <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's, you know, your situation, what your relative there is a way, though, that God has, God has a way to touch that person's heart and bring peace, and bring peace. And, you know, the, good, the beautiful part about this, and this is why there should be no condemnation here, is because only the Holy Spirit can do that. So this is not a time to beat yourself up or think, you know, you know, I should have done more of this, that, and the other. No, no, no. That's not helpful. This is the time right now. So you know what? This is a problem. This has been a problem. You know, I'm going to really start asking the Lord right now, what would he have me do to be a blessing? Oh, you remember the guy that shot my dog? After the day I delivered to him, did you know, like, within less than two weeks, he was gone? God wouldn't let him leave until he did the work in my heart. I just say that for what it's worth. God has the answer. But what 
he does in us is a lot more important than the difficulty and the misery that we're going through right now because God wants to do significant change in us. He wants to do significant growth. He wants to prepare us for something big and powerful. And so as he directs us into negotiating the difficulties uh, in life and the, and the relational breakdowns in life, he's preparing us for something much greater to do the things that will touch many, many people and have an impact upon many, many lives. But you know what? The first thing, though, we have to overcome this hurdle. That's our training ground. That's where God's going to do his greatest work within us. So I'll just, let's pray and I'll turn it back over to, to Bill. Lord, I thank you for your people. I thank you for their love and devotion to you. Lord, I thank you that when you saved them, you gave them a purpose. You gave them meaning. And we know, Lord, the enemy is always after that. He, he never stops trying to rob us of our future and our destiny and, he, and, and peace in our hearts. But, Lord, we refuse to let him have the last word. And we determine right now, Holy Spirit, that we will obey you all the way. And so I ask you, Lord, for those that have been struggling, those that have been mistreated here, those that have been maybe even verbally abused, I pray, God, that you would heal them and that you would comfort them and that you would help them. And then, Lord, I pray that they would begin to open their heart for the leading of the Holy Spirit and what they could do how they could sow some seeds of peace. And we give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you. I've enjoyed being with you today. You know, it makes you think about how you live life. <laughs> and I was just thinking about when you're on the other side of what you were talking about. Say you're the boss or whatever, and... You know, you can, feel, you can feel justified in the fact, oh, okay, I can let them have it today or I can make their life hard. So you have to think about that. <laughs> you know, how, how do you, you, know, how do you um, work with that when somebody, maybe you're teaching somebody or maybe, like I said, that you're their boss and they're giving you grief. You have to find a point where, you know, I still got to be who I'm supposed to be even though you could be justified in, in doing that. So how you treat people makes a difference. And being a peacemaker, as Philip said, is very important in our lives. And, you know, it's hard sometimes to be the peacemaker. It's very, very hard to, to um, speak peace to somebody that you don't want to. <laughs> and um, praise the Lord for that word. Amen. Praise God. I want us to, Darren's going to come in a few minutes and give us some announcements, but I'd like for, let's, let's stand this morning for a moment, and then I just want you to pray. We, we'd like to, to take up an offering for um, Philip and just bless him today. So just ask the Lord what he would have you to do, um, and we um, want to be a blessing, always a blessing to whoever God sends to us. Amen. Don't forget also... Uh, 
in case Darren don't see it down there, but our devotionals are finally here. They're a little bit late. Take you one home. Take one and give it to somebody too. Amen. Let's, let's pray over this. Father, we thank you and praise you, Lord, for, for our, our brother and for the word that he has brought to us about being a peacemaker and how to make peace around us, Lord, and, and going the second mile, not just doing what we're asked to do, but do more than what we're asked to do. Go past what we're asked to do. So, Lord, we pray for that. So, we pray you bless the giver this morning, Lord, that we would just be obedient to you and obedient to your word. And we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Y'all can sit down. I'm going to keep you here for a minute. Vacation Bible School is in three weeks. And who said, Whew. was that you, Pastor Ben? Which one? Somebody over there? Oh, my goodness. We're, we're up to almost 70 kids already. Um, we, we moved this year, as y'all know. We're a month early. So, um, wow. So, we, we're rocking it out. Thank you, Carol. I know you've been coming a lot helping, and, and Miss Debbie, and all those who are working so hard to get it ready. Praise God. That's awesome, and we're excited about it, and, and um, you know, every year we're blessed to touch those little critters that walk through here. I call them critters because some of them I ain't sure, but uh, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Is, it a, is it a human or a raccoon? I ain't sure. It's just... It's, Special, uh, but uh, we're excited about about that. So, um, if you haven't signed up to help, do you have a pulse? You can help if you haven't. So, please sign up on the church website. It's available to you to sign up, and uh, please do. That's everybody. Everybody, Daphne, Jane, all of you. Are you here? You have a pulse. I'm not kidding. It's a lot of kids, seventy-something little monkeys running around. I mean, oh, good gracious! Hallelujah! Every year it's like, how are we going to do this? But God provides, and Amen. Does He provide or what? We go to a place in Nicaragua called Dios Proverá, right? What's that mean? God, God will provide. He will always provide. Amen. Even in that community that's. Poor, he always provides, and we're so blessed. Also, today, big announcement. Um, someone here is turning 39 years old today. Stand up, Miss Betty. Happy 39. I'm not going to try to sing happy birthday, so because I, I can't sing. Um, Kevin, you can have to do it.